You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. All right, good morning, church. How's the West Side Church doing this morning? I gotta say, I love this weather. I know you might feel like it's hot, but man, it is scorching in Houston, Texas, okay? So you got it good. Gotta be grateful for the small things, amen? But you know, I gotta say, I, I feel overwhelmed with just, uh, gratitude for Ken and Lena. We knew them, uh, about 10 years ago when they first got off the mission field and we, my wife and I were just interns, a part of the LA campus internship. And, uh, we go way back. I also got to, uh, connect with Kenny. Uh, I saw Kenny and met him in the LA internship years ago as well. And we spent some time this past weekend going up to UCLA campus and praying over the campus, reaching out and just really getting inspired by being there on campus. So it was a great time. Uh, we also knew of the Spats when they were in Austin and it's great to finally meet them here. I gotta say this. You guys have got a great team here in the West Side Church. Amen. A team that loves you, that is all in for you, and I appreciate their heart. It just overflows and how much they love the West Side Church, and it's great to be here. Uh, I'm amazed by the skill, the experience, and just the, the wealth of knowledge on the staff. Well, today I want to begin by uh, speaking about the power of a testimony. To testify is to bear witness to what God has done for you or for you, or to you, and how you can prove the evidence by the experience that you've gone through. So let me say that again, to testify is to bear witness to what God has done for you, or to you, with evidence and the experience to prove it. You think about the apostles, they're able to testify to the empty tomb, and they prove that Jesus is alive. The holy angels testify to the same fact. Even some of the women rushed to testify about all that they had saw when they noticed the tomb was empty. Let me ask you a question. What can be more powerful, more persuasive, more convincing than the power of a miracle of a testimony? A changed life. A life that went from the dark into the wonderful light. Amen? You can debate the existence of God with words, but who can argue? against the proof that God has changed your life. See, a good example, a living example, is so much more powerful. It shows the power of the gospel. It shows the power of God through a changed life. It's more powerful than just words. Turn your Bibles here to John with me, John chapter 9. And we're going to read a short passage here, but it's about the blind man who has uh, been healed by Jesus. And he's brought before the religious leaders to be interrogated and cross-examined because they're trying to figure out how he was healed. John chapter 9 verse 24 reads, A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And he says here, Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. The blind man replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. See, the blind man was convinced that Jesus healed him, changed his life forever. He didn't even know who Jesus was. But the power of God, the power of a testimony, who can argue it? What he basically was saying was, you may not believe what I'm saying, 
But you cannot deny the evidence that proves that my life has changed. You know, I grew up in a very traditional Asian household. I was raised Buddhist most of my life. I had never read the Bible. I didn't know who Jesus was. And as a young single man, I was uh, easily influenced by my friends because I desperately wanted to feel accepted. This led to being involved in some Asian gangs and committing crimes, rebelliousness and recklessness. I had very little thought for the consequences of my decisions at the time. I was pursuing pleasure and popularity as a means for true happiness. And at the time, I was studying chemistry, trying to get into pharmacy school at the University of Houston. And in our home, there wasn't a God, but idols. These idols took the form of statues of Buddha on the altar. And as I read the scriptures, I understood later on that these statues were deaf, mute, and blind, and they're fashioned by human hands. It's obvious to me now why it was so hard for me to express my emotions growing up and be vulnerable at home. These idols also came from money, work, and school. It was all about how much I did or what I accomplished. It seemed like an endless race towards perfection. Whatever I did, it was never enough. Not knowing when to clock out, quit, or go home, I was on this performance trap. I worked hard, but I also played hard. I'd go clubbing at night with my friends. I remember self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. My life was empty and aimless. I was desperate, searching for purpose and direction. And that's when, that week, I thought about ending my life. That week, I was so depressed, I, I couldn't sleep, and I'd lay there in bed staring at the ceiling. And I'll never forget this day, I was walking on campus at the University of Houston, walking to the gym. And this guy passed me by, but he looked at me. You know how you walk by somebody and you lock eyes with them, you kind of smile? It's kind of awkward. You want to say hi, but you don't. I just walked by and passed him up. And he said something inside of him told him, I got to share with this guy. I got to invite him to church. And he turned back around and tapped me on the shoulder. And he, he said, can I invite you out to church? My name is Brian. And I looked at him and I said, I'm really looking for purpose in my life right now. And he took out this little memo pad. He took down my number. And he was so persistent in reaching out to me because I was a flake. I had zero character, zero integrity. But man, he would not let up because he believed that God could change my life. I had never been to church or read the Bible. On Easter Sunday, I watched TV and I see Jesus crucified on, on the TV screen. And I always wondered what that meant. And I even remember years ago when I was attending the Buddhist temple, I'd take my shoes off and I'd walk in the temple. And I'd try to stare at the statue and, and, and I would want it to come alive and say something to me because I believe that I was searching for a living God. A relationship, not a religion or ritual. And in that moment, after studying the Bible, after going to church... God turned my, my heart of stone to a heart of flesh. That's when I started applying the scriptures to my life. My favorite book was the book of James because it was so practical and to the point. And as I started applying these things to my life, the old habits, the addictions, the drugs, the alcohol, the immorality, all those things stopped. I don't know how to explain it, but it was a miracle. I remember waking up feeling refreshed and I decided... 
to repent. God granted me repentance and I was baptized on May 20th, 2001. Amen. Praise God. And fast forward 17 years later, I met and married the love of my life, Jessica Nagel at the time. I put a ring on it and now, uh, you know, on top of that, God has gifted me with two beautiful, healthy boys. Titus, who, you know, I call him my sons of thunder. Because Titus is fast. He's like Flash from Incredibles, right? (laughs) He's everywhere. He's got so much energy. He's my lightning. And my other son of thunder is is Jesse. You can hear him coming. He's loud. Even his whispers are loud, okay? (laughs) But these are my sons of thunder. And I'm so blessed to have them. And now I'm in the full-time ministry getting to do what I love to do, to pay it forward for other Tommies out there. Because I know there are people out there searching. I know there are people out there hurting. And you can't judge a book by its cover. And I'm so thankful that that brother, Brian, stopped and listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and reached out to me. I would not be standing before you today sharing my testimony if it wasn't for God and His obedience to God. Amen? So praise God, I can never forget to testify to what God has done in my life. You know, it's been really great being here this weekend, meeting so many of you on the West Side, hearing your vision for the church, the West Side Church, seeing your love for the lost, getting a chance to see your deep desire to see the UCLA campus ministry thrive. It's inspiring. It's encouraging getting to hear about how God has moved in your life and your testimonies. We got time with the Doe's, the Shumps, the Marichis. We got time with uh, John Thorne and everyone. And, and it was so encouraging to be able to just share what we, what our conviction is, what we really believe. I appreciate the Meckhamsons moving their whole family here, being all in. Amen. That's so inspiring. And that's why I said you guys have such a blessed team, a great team. So whether you're an older Christian or a younger Christian, you can never forget what God has done for you. You can never forget how he's changed your lives. I have a confession to make. I tend to be forgetful. I'm a forgetful person. And if you're like me, you forget birthdays. You forget where you parked your car. You forget your password, so you have to remake a password, right? I don't know what I do without my wife. I forget my car keys and where I put my phone. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we all have these memory slips from time to time. Have you ever crammed for an exam and then you forget what you learned the next few days? Or you met somebody and you forget their name right away. Remembering's not easy. And so God in His wisdom foresaw the, our tendency to forget. So consider how many times God needed to remind the Israelites to not be afraid. Not to mention all the feasts, the memorials, the festivals God set up just to help His people remember His wonders. Jesus had to remind His disciples time and time again, have faith. And Paul continually reminded the churches in his letters that Jesus really did die on the cross and that He resurrected on the third day because He didn't want them to forget. And I think of the whole book of Deuteronomy. God wanted the Israelites to always remember the ways He always provided for them. How He won the battles they fought. How He gave them food and they gave, He gave them shoes that didn't wear out. And the list goes on and on. And how God cared for His people. 
Israel's failure to remember God eventually led to apostasy and disobedience. And the same can be said for us today. Amen. We got to remember. Consider these passages in Psalm 106. Please turn there with me. We cannot forget what God has done. Psalm 106 verse 7. It reads, When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Jump down to verse 13. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plans to unfold. Jump down to verse 21. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Haim, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. See, the benefits of keeping God in mind is that it keeps our hearts grateful, it keeps us humble, and it keeps us faithful. Amen? And remembrance means so much more than just recalling past events from the past. It's being reminded of God's past deliverances, how he delivered us so we can take courage in our present circumstances. It gives you more faith and courage when you remember the battles that God won for you. Amen. Amen. To be bold, to trust when you're afraid, to give your heart even though you might get hurt, to invite someone to study the Bible despite the possibility of rejection. Do you have... Even if faith. Peter had the courage and faith to step out of the boat. He's the only one of the disciples who walked on water. Aside from Jesus here. But do you have even if faith? Abraham had even if faith. Even if my son dies, I will obey God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed that God would save them. Even if God chose not to save them, they would not bow down to the idols. And to King Nebuchadnezzar. Esther had even a faith by becoming coming before the king and risking her life. She came before the king without being summoned, knowing that she could lose her life. This was the only way for her to save her people from extinction. It's amazing to see that these people had the faith to say, even if God doesn't answer, I'm willing to take a chance and have faith. Amen. Even if I get rejected for for being persecuted and sharing my faith, I'm still going to obey the Great Commission. Even if a person I study with wants to stop studying the Bible, I'm going to still love them unconditionally because it's in God's timing. Amen? Even if my best friend leaves the church, I will persevere and stay faithful and finish building my tower. And even if I face trials in my marriage, my parenting, if I have conflict with my spouse... My kids, they're all worth fighting for. Heaven is worth fighting for. Amen? How does remembering what God has done for you personally affect the way that you live your life today? How does remembering what God has done for you personally affect how you live your life today? Do you still remember or have you forgotten? Have you forgotten the battles won, the lives changed? Remembering how the L.A. church began right here. This was the epicenter. And what God did back then, he can still do today. Amen? It's faith building to go back and reflect on what God has done. Who are you telling? We cannot forget. But it also helps give us faith to see what God can do today. 
And I want to encourage us and inspire us to take some time this week to reflect and even write down your testimony. Who were you before Christ interrupted your life? What have you experienced because of His love since? It's so good to go back and reflect, amen? What's keeping you from sharing your faith with someone? Sharing your testimony, your story? And if you're visiting with us today, I want to encourage you to set up a Bible study with somebody. That's the first step. I remember being asked to to study the Bible and I said, what do I have to lose? I'll give it a shot. And I'm so grateful that I was captivated by Jesus. Amen? Amen? So that you can learn what it means to make Jesus Lord of your life because God may still be writing your testimony at this time. He, he still may be writing and finishing your story. Amen, Amen church? Amen. Let's take time to remember and not forget God's wonderful deeds. Amen? At this time, I'd like to uh, transition into the communion and I'm going to have my wife share her testimony so she can come up here. But I'd like to start off with a love story. One that we all know. Adam and Eve lived happily together in the beautiful new home and everything was perfect for a while. Until the day when everything went wrong. God had a horrible enemy. His name was Satan. Satan had once been the most beautiful angel, but he didn't want to be just an angel. He wanted to be God. He grew proud and evil and full of hate. And God had to send him out of heaven. Satan was seething with anger and looking for a way to hurt God. He wanted to stop God's plan, stop his love story. He wanted to hurt God. And then death, and he disguised himself as a snake, excuse me, and wanted and waited in the garden. Now God had given Adam and Eve just one rule, don't eat the fruit on that tree. And God told them, because if you do, you'll think you know everything. You'll stop trusting me. And then death and sadness will come. You see, God knew that if they ate the fruit, they would think that they didn't need him. And they would try to make themselves happy without him. But God knew there was no such thing as happiness without him. And life without him wouldn't be life at all. And we all know how this ends. Adam and Eve not only broke God's one rule, they broke his heart. They broke their relationship with God. See, this story is not merely a story about creation. It's, it's our story. Adam and Eve became self-reliant, prideful, and turned to other things besides God to make them happy. And at this time, my wife is going to share about how she became a Christian. Amen? Amen. I that. <laughs> I'm going to switch out my glasses, okay? <laughs> Alright, so, <clears throat> you know, I grew up in a very liberal home, uh, in Long Beach most of my life, where God was more of an expression than a true entity, we grew up in church, and although we loved each other, my family was very broken. My parents divorced when my brother and I were young, and my dad struggled with drug addiction and homelessness all of my life. Um, anyone you know who had experienced or who has experienced addiction of any form, or um, knows of a loved one who has, it's a very consuming life, desperate and deceitful. You know there was a lot of pain surrounding that relationship, but we all stay connected despite the circumstances. You know my mom was a single mom, and although she did the best with what she had, it didn't keep us from experiencing many hardships 
especially financially. With more of a functional drug addiction of her own and bipolar disorder, there was never a shortage of emotional turmoil. So at a very early age, I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol as a means to cope with the dysfunction at home. I was filled with a lot of anger, embarrassment, and sadness. And because I thought my life should be easier, I began to compare myself with others. I became bitter and self-righteous. The touch and attention of men became my security. I prided myself in how self-reliant, intelligent, and independent I was. And I became very defensive, deceitful, and self-protective, keeping everyone at a safe distance and working hard to control how others viewed me. My view of God was heavily influenced on the, uh, by the hardships I endured, by the hypocrisy I witnessed, and the long nights when I cried myself to sleep, waiting for God to show up and make things different. I was lost, empty. Come on, baby. And desperate to be rescued, mostly from myself. And as God would have it, many years later, as a freshman in college, I studied the Bible and became a disciple. And after graduating Cal State Long Beach with my bachelor's in education, shout out to any teachers out there, Tommy and I were married. But as a married woman now, you know, those same tendencies and temptations can show up in my marriage at times, where I can seek refuge in things other than God. And it may not be drugs and alcohol anymore, but it can be mindless shopping oversleeping or emotional eating. In my arrogance, I can think I know better and I can try to take control, which never goes well, especially being married to this man over here. <laughs> instead of turning to other things, I mean, instead of turning to other things, God is always reminding me to turn to him and to remember that he is the only true source of happiness. He is constantly teaching me about my role as a godly wife and a mother, and that with him, I can break the chains of so much dysfunction. Instead of being self-serving, I am being transformed into a servant and a helper to my husband and to my two boys. I am so grateful for all of his grace and patience with me. Both of my parents have passed, they've died, um, but I am incredibly grateful for the story God has given me through them. And that I get to share a snapshot with all of you this morning. You know, each one of us has a story, and it's so unique to us. And I love that it's given to us with such a great purpose. I believe that it's so we can share it with this lost world, and so that we can help them get to experience all of the love and the goodness, the goodness of God. Amen. You know, because of sin, God's children would always be running from Him and hiding in the dark. Sadly, Ammon and Eve were asked to leave the garden, God's home for them. And thanks be to God that this is not the end of the story, but just the beginning. Amen. God loves us so much. 
to let it all end there. Even though he knew that, that he had to suffer, it was God's plan. He knew what he had to do. His plan was to get his children back. His plan was to rid the world of sin. And to use our victories and our pain and our story to help so many other people come to know Him. Amen? You see, in spite of everything, no matter what, God would love His children, even if you would forget Him, even if you would run from Him, even if you would forget about Him. Deep in their hearts, we would all come back and yearn for Him. Brothers and sisters, let's let us never forget what God has done for us. What Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen? How He's called us out of the dark into His wonderful light. We all have a story that can help others. We all have a testimony that we can testify to. Amen? In Luke 22, verse 19 to 20, as we close out in prayer here, Jesus says, in Scripture, He says, And He took the bread, He gave it, gave thanks and broke it, and He gave it to them, saying, This is My body given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, after the supper, He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood, which is poured out for you. It was all for us. Thank God that the story didn't end there. Thank God that Jesus came and He died for our sins. That He was the ransom to redeem us, to reconcile us, and to bring us closer to God. Let's go to God in prayer as we take the communion. Father, we are honored and grateful to be here this morning. We know that, uh, Father, you have orchestrated everything in our life because of your sovereignty and because of who you are. And you put the places, the people, the different events in our lives to help us to become who we are today. And we're so grateful, Father, that you've reconciled us with you. And we pray that as we take the cup, we remember the blood that was shed on the cross that continues to cleanse us and how your mercies are renewed day by day. And as we take the bread, help us to remember the suffering and the pain that Christ went through. Thank you so much for the sacrifice, the Lamb of God that has set us free. And help us to reflect always on our story, to never, ever forget all the wonderful deeds that you have done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.